So today I was pleasantly surprised to see that pudgy penguins will be in Walmart stores. We're going to dive into what that possibly means and how it's going to impact the greater landscape of everything, not just within the Pudgy Penguins project, but also the perception of NFTs in general. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real world value. So an interesting thing to know about this particular project is that Luca Nets, who is the CEO of Pudgy Penguins, is not the coder or the one who originally launched it, whatever. He is a business person that took over this particular project, and it's all because he had the know-how, realized the value within the community, the IP, very cute, and so forth, and put all that together. So it's very interesting that we're building a group, I guess you'd say a mastermind of people of different backgrounds, whether you're a marketer, entrepreneur, you see the value within all this stuff, whether you're a coder or not, I think you'll find value in what we're trying to put together, this mastermind. So check that out at niftybusiness.show slash founders. <laughs> and that's a long thing, but it will be in the show notes, of course. Check that out if you're interested in that. But Luca putting his marketing business background together ended up buying Pudgy Penguins to for I believe it was $2 million. He got a partner with it. The projects or the original founder didn't know exactly what to do with it. And what I thought was just very interesting with this going to 2000 Walmart stores is just pretty groundbreaking. And honestly, if it was any other project, they'd be well celebrated within that community. But I think for the most part, the Pudgy Penguins have done a very good job of just making connections to everyone. So when this news broke, I didn't see a lot of negativity or fudding or anything of that nature, jealousy. In fact, people were looking at their founders saying, hey, how come we're not doing things like that? And I think that is a good thing overall for the space in that they didn't go out and decided to, let's say, drop another collection or drop some sort of metaverse play or anything of that nature. What they decided to do is do the business thing. Really use that IP. A lot of projects are speaking about the IP and so forth, but they're doing it the best. Of course, they launched their clothing brand. They launched various things selling toys online, but going into Walmart is pretty massive. And it's very interesting because Luca really broke down their game plan as to how things were going to go. And this was actually in response to some criticism that came earlier in the summer about someone saying that, well, guess what? If they sell a whole bunch of plushies and so forth and a lot of toys, that does absolutely nothing for the holders and the communities. You're just making money for the corporation. And Luca responded to this by giving out his whole game plan. And I think I might've mentioned this on an early episode, but you're really seeing it come to fruition right now. And it all starts off with his response. It says, I'm going to consolidate my thoughts into six points and directly support why building globally recognized brands is the best path to occurring value for the NFT holders. And number one is marketing. NFTs are a finite resource and with more demand and interest, your NFT will naturally accrue value. Everyone, of course, wants an instant conversion, but in the depths of the bear market, that won't happen. In a hype market, okay, sure, that might happen. Skipping forward a little bit, that might happen. But today, some of the announcement hardly moves the needle. Every asset in the bear market shares the same characteristics. We are not alone in this. Regardless, NFTs demands and value accrual starts and stops with your ability to market and grow your top of the funnel. 
And if you listen to the last episode, I spoke about a funnel and a funnel is an upside down triangle, trying to cast that wide net, if you will, bring in as many people as possible into the top of it and work them down the funnel, just like you're pouring from a big bottle into a small bottle. And when you get to the end, that nozzle, if you will, going into the small bottle, well, now those are the customers. So the top of the funnel, people that are just interested, looking on the outside, maybe not even familiar with the brand. And then of course, getting into the funnel, working your way down until you become a customer and you end up in that next container. So audience to customer. And in summary, that's what he's speaking about here in point number one. So the top of the funnel is their marketing, trying to get as much attention as possible. And he even put up this graphic, which I will link to the tweet, and you can actually see the full thread, the conversation, everything. And it's just trying to get brand awareness, trying to catch the eye of potential consumers through getting follows and views, whether it be on social media or wherever it is, just trying to get someone's attention so that way that brand and IP is fresh in their mind, and then they'll be interested later down the line to make a conversion. So step number two, or point number two, I should say, is an emotional connection. Before we get started, it's interesting to note an interesting point around collectibles today. Today, the collectible market is $426 billion. That has been built off of the liquidity of instant dopamine, but off of the emotional connection. So to accrue value for your NFT, there's two things that you want to optimize for. Number one is demand created by the awareness of the marketing for your own project and the overall demand for the macro environment. And number two is holding. This is driven through emotional connection to the community and the people within it. Emotional connections through the product and the experiences that your friends and family love. And finally, emotional connection through the content and the characters that you create that people relate to and identify with. So that is their create enough emotional connections between the holder and the NFT and the emotional value will eventually outweigh the monetary gains, making it priceless. If you can create enough demand with sticky enough emotional connections, you can create the value accrual mechanisms that is honestly one of the best in the world. And of course, below that, he shows the video of a little child opening up a bag and seeing a pudgy penguin in it. And she goes absolutely nuts. She rolls around and hugs the thing and squeezes it. It's actually a perfect example. But of course, again, this thread will be in the show notes. So you can click this, read through it and actually see the videos. I know I'm trying to describe the ecstatic emotion of a child over a podcast. Not very good. So just imagine a child on Christmas or a birthday opening up their gift and it's exactly what they wanted and they go nuts. Well, that's what's happening right here in this video. But let's go on to point number three, which is sustainability. This is the most overlooked of the bunch. To understand sustainability is to understand what killed your favorite blue chip, quote unquote, project of the 2020-2021 and that's dilution. Dilution was created by a project's inability to generate outside revenue that ultimately leads them to minting more NFTs. And unfortunately, when demand did not meet the current increase in supply, the ecosystem ultimately trended to zero. Creating a sustainable brand removes the biggest risk of owning an NFT. And that is unnecessary dilution for the sake of keeping the business afloat and progressive. So if demand is greater than supply, well, the NFT value goes up. If supply is greater than demand, NFT value goes to zero. Well, it all depends exactly how much greater, of course, but that's what he put in this particular post, but I will not argue the points. Building a sustainable revenue model, then spending money on marketing, 
then creating demand, and the NFT value accrues. So as he's saying right here, if you have a sustainable revenue model, in other words, money's coming in, you don't have to sell any more NFTs. There's marketing, there is demand, and of course, as people want this, the price of it goes up. Value, price, demand, all those things in a free market is based on supply in contrast to demand, of course. That's not what he wrote, but I'm just giving you a quick summary. Let's get back to his point, number four, which is the touch points. This is very foundational work, but I believe if you can create enough positive touch points, this will yield the highest upside when market conditions turn into our favor. Let's look at Pudgy Toys, for example. The biggest argument I constantly hear about Pudgy Toys is, Luca, nobody's buying your toys and then buying NFTs. How does this help holders? That's right, today they're not. But thankfully, I don't need them to right now. When NFT traders come back in full force and are looking to add to their long-term collection, which collections do you think they're most likely going to buy? In my opinion, the collection that they have seen the most is probably where they will gravitate first. My bet is a collection with the toys, the collectibles in their homes of their friends, families, and peers, that one they see every day on social and through text and a collection that's constantly pushing boundaries and in the headlines is probably the one that they will buy once they have an abundance of capital. Collaborations, products, and content are all amazing ways to create more touch points. And I think that is very well said. I don't think that really needs any input from me. Let's go on to point number five, which is experiences. NFT Cultures has a deep desire for free benefits. Unfortunately, these are no longer sustainable with the dissipation of royalties. Without real outside cash flows from creating a successful brand, how am I supposed to give the experiences my holders want and deserve without taking liquidity from them? If I can build a successful brand and revenue stream that allows me to grow my treasury, I then can spend the treasury on better experiences for my community. Free memorable experiences for holder equals FOMO for outsiders who want to participate. Equals they buy the NFTs so they don't feel left out. Equals the NFTs removed from the market. Equals enough of them doing this leads to value accrual for the entire holder base. So, of course, this is a long play, multiple steps, but generally speaking, the more revenue coming in, the more marketing can be spent, the more experiences could be created, and then it's going to create demand, more people want to come in, and then that's going to push up the value. And his last point, six, the game. It is clear to me that 90% of NFT traders don't understand what's going on in the space and where the real upside truly lies. To give you some clarity, this is just as much as an institutional game as is a retail game. And if you think that Basie reached 150 ETH floor price because retail drove that demand, then you don't know what you're talking about. Most don't know this, but the biggest funds in the world have huge carve-outs of IP. Believe it or not, IP is recession-proof. By the way, IP is intellectual property, in case you're not familiar with that. And has proven to be a great asset class for funds to diversify in. The question you need to be asking yourself is, what is your project doing to appeal to the current and future funds who are looking to diversify into the next generation of IP, i.e. NFTs? Do you really think that deep game theory and Ponzi-nomics gets real capital allocation excited? If you think that, 
then you respectfully don't know the game and the true potential that these assets have. Optimizing for DGENs equals short-term success. Optimizing for institutions equals long-term success. In my own opinion, the funds that will come will be looking for exposures to the Web3 IP that meets current IPs where they are, but that also have core differentiating edge case that leverage Web3 and the blockchain to create more exciting models. One institutional allocation is greater than 500 DGEN allocations. Now, that is saying a lot. In other words, if you get a big business to buy into what's going on, then it doesn't matter how many DGENs want to flip in and out, trying to make some money, a little ETH here, a little ETH there, or whatever currency it is in. If you get a big business that understands the value of IP and what they're building here, that is so much better. And that's what they're optimizing for, not the DGEN who is filling their bag and just flipping JPEGs, if you will, back and forth. And I think that is a huge statement right there. And then, of course, he goes, I know all this sounds biased because long story short, he has spent two and a half million dollars into buying this. He truly believed in the project and the IP, the community, everything that was there. And that's where he put his money and he is building going forward. So long story short, I am very impressed by everything that they're doing here. I am very bullish on it. So much so I was like, man, I wonder what the little pudgies are doing right now. And of course, they started pumping ridiculously. Over the last 24 hours, I see they're flying up the charts. The price of them actually pretty much doubled since before this news broke until after. So it's just very interesting to see that a lot of people had the same idea that I had to say, hey, I wonder where the little pudgies are right now. And at the point of recording this, it went from 0.2-ish all the way up to about 0.5 ETH. So we're talking about a huge jump within the last 24 hours. And it's just very impressive to take a look there that obviously it is working. Now, the little pudgies have a much larger supply than the pudgies. And that is why Another reason why I should say the price is down, that was the second collection that they had. So just imagine if the original founders didn't launch those secondary collections trying to bring in revenue and so forth, and of course, trying to appease to the holders. The original Pudgies, who knows where they would be right now? I think they would probably be over 10 ETH. But anyways, needless to say that this is just very exciting. And the cool thing with the IP is as people, the general outside public that are not in the Web3 community are falling in love with this IP and getting affectionate to it. Well, eventually, if they do make it up the way and get into Web3 and actually buy the NFT or not, it really doesn't make a difference because the brand is growing, the attention is growing. And again, his whole thing is optimizing for big businesses and IP plays and not for DGENs. And I think that is absolutely amazing because he knows that at the end of the day, he's playing the long game with business. He's not playing the short game with Web3 DGENs. And it's pretty impressive to see that this young guy really has this thing figured out. And I'm really just impressed by his marketing mind, how he's approaching this, very systematic thinking long-term, not short-term. And it reminds me a lot of what Gary V is doing with the V friends. So completely different ways about going about it, but I think going for the broader market with fun appeal and just positive things. If you go to their Instagram, I'm very impressed by it. They're probably more popular on Instagram than they are even on Twitter. By far the most popular projects outside of crypto Twitter happens to be V Friends and Pudgy Penguins. That is not a mistake or just by chance. They're doing this systematically. And I think it is just very interesting that they're doing the, the toys and all these different things. And Anyone that really criticizes and says, well, who's just going out and buying these pudgies for random people? I believe it's the people that are with 
in Web3 that are buying it for their nieces, their nephews, their neighbors, and so forth, and really pushing the demand. And as it spills out, they're going to share that with their friends. And now that it is in Walmart, it's like, wow, this thing can really pick up steam pretty quickly. So I'm excited to see where this thing goes and uh, how it plays out. But I absolutely love this marketing mind within Web3, the business side of it all coming together. So again, open up this thing by saying, if you're interested in that community, I'm putting together that mastermind, if you will, of people, just check it out, niftybusiness.show slash founders. That information will be in the show notes. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.